Hello and welcome to this Good Friday service with Life Changes Church. If you're visiting us today, it is an absolute privilege to have you. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors of this church that meets in Cape Town in three different locations, Tableview, Milnerton, and the city center. And it is wonderful to have you with us. If you're part of the Life Changes family and story, we want to say right now, we miss you. We miss seeing your faces. We miss having moments together and worship together. But we know God is on the move. We know that He is working. We know that He is doing great things in this great city of ours. In this great nation, at this time, our God is on the move. Before I jump into my preach, I want to share, because this is the question I've been asked by our people and other people, what are the church doing? And it's a good question, because as a church, we believe we are called to be getting our hands dirty in the mess of the world around us to see His grace and His glory invade our world. So our job at this time is not to hide away. It is to obey the laws of the land, but it's to jump in where we can. And what we've been doing is gathering the troops, getting ready to support our nation and our city at this time. We have partnered with our incredible three ward councillors from the area of the west coast of city, and together with the three ward councillors and Life Changes and many other organizations, we are pulling together the West Coast COVID Relief Fund. It is a super great initiative that will have huge impact when we jump in, we get stuck in. And I want to say, how are we involved as a local church? I want to let you know because it's really important. We are giving time. Right now, two of our staff are going to be working fully on that project, giving all their time and energy to the administration and orchestration and facilitation, wow, big words, of this amazing project. And then secondly to that, we're calling our community and our world to share this amazing story and get people to jump in and be a part of that support. But I want to say as a church, we are giving too. We are giving financially and uh, we love seeing God feeding. We are buying packs of about 350 rand per pack that'll feed a family for as many days as they can make it work, hopefully about 10 days, two weeks, so we can make sure the most vulnerable and at risk in our area are looked after in and through the partnership with many other great organizations in the city. So jump in, get stuck in, let us be givers and bring Him glory at this time, which is amazing. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for the life that you live and the life we get to live together. But now, Good Friday is an exciting time and we're doing Easter in lockdown. And when you watch this, we'll be 14 days in lockdown. Some of you locked away with your kids for 14 days, unable to visit the beach, unable to see the sights and the glorious Table Mountain as this coronavirus is working its way in and through our nation, which has been termed a pandemic. God is moving and I trust as we are praying for you, I trust that you are finding peace in the storm as God is with us and He is leading us. But some of you may be tempted to say, well, what a fail of an Easter. I mean, Easter is the last of summer in Cape Town. What a fail of an Easter. And um, I've had some Easter fails. Let me tell you about a big Easter fail that happened in the Van Pletsen household when I was a kid. My cousins gave my mom an incredible four packs of Easter eggs, one for each child. We were a home of four kids, and we got excited when we saw them. We saw them with our own eyes. We knew they were coming. So as the days built up and we got closer to Easter, the excitement grew, the, the passion grew, the everything grew. And on Easter morning, we wake up and we're looking for our Easter eggs. We say, Mom, where are the bags? And I see this smile drain from her face and almost the blood drain from her face. As the honest moment comes out, she had eaten three, three of the four boxes of Easter eggs. So a real fame moment. Easter was never quite the same for the VP kids. But mom, seriously, forgiven you a long time ago. And to be honest, very tempted right last night to eat my own kids 
Lint Easter Bunny, which we bought them, got our hands on. So didn't do it. I'm trying to help them. But, uh, but actually life, and I'm not sure, but I love watching epic fails. As we're talking about fails, I love watching epic fail videos. It's these endeavors. People are doing great things, trying to jump from this building to that building. And he falls down and platters on the floor and everyone's going, wow, great effort. And they're liking the epic fail video, but no one watched the time he actually got it. Or the moment where other guys do crazy things and they're jumping between um, a long rope and, a, and they're swinging into a dam. And as they swing, they don't even make the dam. They slide down the bank, hit their head, and everyone's going, epic video, Olympic sports 2020. No one ever watches the video when they make it into the dam. So we live in a world sometimes that celebrates our failures and ignores our successes. And sometimes it's like that in real time with us. I don't know about you, but I never failed a subject at school, but I did enter into that world in the first year of university, and I did it well. The first year studying correspondence, trying to navigate the world, accounts one hit me like a bus. And I gave it my best shot right at the end of the year, studying UNISA correspondence, but I only made the grade for supplementary exam, which meant that I was writing my supplementary exam on the very 10th of January. So on the 1st of Jan, after a good night and Christmas and New Year's Eve party, I went and locked myself down to study for my failed exam. And the only thing I could think for nine days was don't fail, don't fail, don't fail, don't fail. See, I don't know about you, but I've had my fair share of failure over the years and over my life. Behavioral skills. This thing, my mouth, the thing that I use now to, I trust, give glory to God, is something that has hurt many people, has said many things. I wish that I could have pulled back. And I had the mouth that if I could have reached and pulled it back into my mouth, I would have done that. Often my mouth faster than my mind. Other areas of fails dropped from many sports teams. All my sports mates and old school friends agreeing. Um, fails in the marketing world and the working world. Endeavors of launching products that didn't work and didn't land and making mistakes and losing money for my employers. There's been many areas. Probably the hardest one are the fails that I've had in my Christian walk. See, I've been a Christian and given my life to Jesus when I was 14 years old. And the reality is in that long walk, you make a thousand promises to the King of Kings, but you fail along the way. See, in this Corona times, there's maybe been some failure upon your life. Maybe your business has already failed or is failing and you're dealing with that word failure right now. Maybe your marriage under pressure, two weeks in lockdown, is failing. Maybe you have failed already as a parent and you've raised your voice and you've not been gentle and you've not been kind. Maybe failure is the thing you're feeling most right now. Maybe like me, you've realized that uh, you're navigating these things as best as you can, but you fail sometimes. Or maybe you realize that actually you've already failed. You're in lockdown alone. There's no one to send to time out. You send yourself. There's no one to blame for the burnt food or the mess in the bathroom. It's just you. See, good time is a day to remember that in God's most generous action, in the cross that was given, it, it was a God moment. It wasn't man's moment. It was God breaking in with this generosity of His Son on the cross. He breaks in. But actually the cross would have been a great failure at the time. Christ walking up to that cross at Golgotha, dripping in blood and flesh, saying, Actually, I'm going to come broken and bruised was a failure to all around. They would have looked like an epic fail. And let me tell you why. Well, seriously, not only did Jesus' own religious establishment not support him, they harassed him and despised him and opposed him. The most reliable of Jesus' followers were unruly and their presence would be a problem. I mean, the disciples never understood what he was saying. They couldn't take instruction. His own brothers didn't even believe in him. 
building up to the cross. His enemies hated each other, but they hated him so much, they gathered together to go after him. His own closest followers were those who betrayed him. And they didn't betray him for much. They betrayed him for silver, not even gold. It got worse. His friends that he pulled closest and said, Guys, come pray with me. My hardest day is coming. Come. They fell asleep. The story gets worse. And they didn't just fall asleep. When they woke up, they ran for the hills as they realized things just got real. It got worse. On the day of the trial, you realize his trial was a farce, but his punishment most definitely wasn't. It was real and it was painful. And on the cross, he hung naked and bleeding. His flesh in strips, barely recognizable in his body. And you realize he just didn't feel forsaken by God. The Bible says he was in that moment forsaken by God. And Jesus' life and ministry and message in that moment, well, it's a failure. See, we read the story and we know the end and we know the victory that came. But in that moment, it very much would have looked like a failure. Maybe your life right now, you need to hear a story that on Good Friday, God declared something on that cross when he rose on Sunday from that tomb. God declared something forever that Jesus' blood never fails. I've got a simple message for you today. Say this with me. Jesus' blood never fails. It never fails. And fail after fail after fail in your life and my life. Living in a world that ignores our successes and highlights our failures. I want to tell you the gospel does the opposite. The kingdom is the opposite. The love of Jesus is the opposite. And Easter is a sign and a symbol that shouts to eternity that the God and Father of heaven, through the cross and the power of the blood of His Son, He keeps turning our fails into victories for His glory. Stick around if you're falling asleep, if your partner's having a nap, give them a nudge on the couch and uh, it's so good to be together. Say this after me, my failure is not a life sentence. See, we see this in the cross and the night before Jesus crucified, He's got His disciples, they're having the Passover meal. And there He's got Peter and Peter says, I'll never deny you, I'll never deny you, Jesus. What does Peter do? He runs. But Jesus knew something. He could recognize the difference in a faker like Judas versus just someone, a failure like Peter. And if you know the story, Peter becomes one of the most amazing preachers and apostles of the gospel. He's pulled into the big story of the gospel. He's redeemed by that very same blood of Jesus. Why? Because failure is not a life sentence. That's good. You should write that down. But I want to tell you, Easter for me, God is speaking. And there's this incredible picture in Exodus chapter 12 called the Passover. And many Jewish people in our communities be celebrating the Passover meal and what Jesus, what has been done as the God of heaven spared his people. In this incredible moment, you see the issue is this. His people were under bondage and in captivity. They had been in captivity for 430 years. And he raises up a humble man, a man named Moses, to go to Pharaoh to fight for the freedom of his people. See, they were in failure. They had allowed themselves to be overwhelmed by a king of this earth. They had forgotten the promises of this king. And God had to intervene because on their own, they had failed. So God sends plagues and he goes like this. It's incredible. He starts with blood and frogs and lice. If I was fair, I would have stopped there. Flies, livestock, boils, hail, locust and darkness. And nine plagues, God's people still aren't free. God's people are still in captivity, but there's a tenth plague. After 430 years of captivity and slavery, what had become normal, it was no longer the new normal to God's people, the Israelites, it was now their normal in captivity and slavery. God just made one word statement. Enough! Enough! (laughs) Maybe you, like me as a parent, have said that word more than once over these last 40 days. Enough! 
Enough with the PlayStation. Enough. Leave the food alone. There's got to go the distance. Anyway, that, I digress. But Pharaoh wanted to keep God's people. God had an agenda and went like this. God comes with the final and last plague. A plague of blood, a plague of death. But he says this. So Moses, in verse, 11, verse 4 of chapter 11, this is what the Lord says. About midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill. And all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt. Worse than has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. God has a rescue plan. It's radical. It involves death. It's, it's challenging. But he's breaking into what God's people had accepted as something of normal. And it carries on in verse 3 of chapter 12. God is speaking to Moses. And he says, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. Sharing with your neighbor. It's a good thing. Having taken into account the number of people who are there, you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with each person will eat. The animals you choose must be, six, must be year old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th year day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast and it ends like this. Eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And what follows? God puts a plan in action but people rise up in faith. His people. His people at this time respond to the call that enough is enough. That failure is not the word, that Jesus' blood is a bigger story and God has a bigger story and it'll always revolve around life-giving blood. And he says, I need you to do something weird. I need you to step out in faith. And if you step out in faith, I will set you free from this oppressor and this captivity. And God does that. His people respond. And a tragic scene plays out as the Spirit comes over this amazing place and every single one of God's people's children are spared. But it says not one of the Egyptians are spared. See, it's this radical thing. 430 years of captivity. A lockdown overnight to say, stay inside. Be with your family. Paint your doors with the blood of a perfect sacrifice. A crazy act of graffiti. A terrible wave of death. And God brings freedom for his people. See, this was a crazy, crazy, crazy rescue mission. Easter is not about Easter bunnies. Easter bunny. Uh, Easter is not about Eggs, it's not about chocolate. Sorry, people who are the chalk fanatics. Easter is about a rescue mission. Three simple things from this story. It is as it is a foreshadow of what happened on Good Friday and Easter weekend. Number one, crazy faith. And Good Friday calls us to something called crazy faith. These are the instructions. Kill a year old male without defect. Now, if you are a slave in a foreign land, you don't have a lot of resources. And to now sow all your resources into a year-old male without defect lamb, it's a crazy thing. To take your resources and invest them in something that hopefully will keep you safe, but they choose to do it because God had proved himself faithful in the past. He's going to prove himself faithful again. And they choose to respond. But then the even more radical crazy ask. And there's some crazy asks in Christianity. And let me tell you about this one. He says, this is what I want you to do. 
want you to kill that lamb. I want you to take the blood of that lamb and paint the front post of your door and the lintel of your door and cover it. Because when I come over and I kill the firstborn of all of Egypt, I will recognize that blood. I will recognize that faith. I will respond with my gracious hand. I will spare you. And I'll pass over you. A radical, radical thing. But I imagine the parents going to bed and, and they've painted and they've killed and they've got their blood. I don't know about you, but I'd be stressing. I'm going, this blood better not fail. You're lying in bed. I mean, if you think of an anxious night, maybe the kids fall asleep because they're exhausted and they don't fully know what's going on. But you're lying there, you're anxious, you're processing. I'm looking crazy to my neighbors right now. I mean, if my neighbors walk past and nothing happens, they're waking up tomorrow. I am washing that blood off at one o'clock. But actually, I'm one of God's loved. I'm one of those he's fought for, he's called. I've seen the nine plagues come and I know our God is on the move and he wants to take us out and into freedom. And so I'm going to trust him. And midnight strikes and they start hearing the cries in the distance. The cries. Parents. Realizing. Firstborn. King. Wealthy. Doesn't matter. Just comes over that place. But the blood on the door because of crazy faith in a good God, on a great rescue mission, He brings freedom and life. See, He always brings freedom and life. John 10, 10 tells us the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. See, that's what the enemy will always do. He's wanting to do it now when you're locked down. He's saying the world becomes small. I want to steal from it even more. God comes. The Lord comes. He comes that they may have life and never to fall. Second point as we move forward. The crazy thing, they had to apply the blood. Sounds like a simple point. Mark, you're really simple. I am really simple. I read the Bible. It changes my life. It tells me how to live my life. They had to take this blood and they had to apply it on the lintel, put it on the walls. It became visible for all. But that was an action, one action they were asked to do. See, I drive around the suburbs of our city and I see everyone who's got a security company who they pay monthly to protect them for alarm systems and all these things. They get a little sign about this big that they get to put outside their house. You see, they don't take that and put it in their kids' room as a play toy. They don't put it at the back of the house where no one can see it. Uh, guys put it right next to the entrance. And if they can get five, they put it up and around. Let's be honest, that's true. That's suburbia for you. If you don't in suburbia, take a drive. It's fun to see. But that's the reality. And that's what's happening here. They realize the protection power of the promises of the Almighty God that have stood since the beginning of time. And even though they have been faithless, even though they have broken every promises, even though they have failed time and time again, and for 430 years, they've been in slavery. God said, do this one thing. And maybe you're saying at this time, Mark, that's fine for a Christian. I'm not perfect. Or maybe even saying, well, I am a Christian. I made a decision to believe Jesus, but I'm not perfect. Let me tell you what my Bible says in Hebrews 10 about my king and his perfect sacrifice. It says this, but when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. This is done. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, say one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. I love that scripture. I am perfect when the Father looks at me because of the blood of Jesus Christ and because one act of saying, Jesus, will you be the blood on my lintel and my post of my front door? Not the back door, not the side door. Will you be everything? And because of that one action of humility and a cry and realization that I don't have the answers and on my own, I'm going to keep Failing, God says, I will take your failing and I will turn it into a victory by the blood of one. 
And I'll make you perfect in the eyes of the Father as you go on your journey of becoming holy. And the simple last third point is this. His blood never fails. You can just imagine the parents putting the kids to sleep and their anxiety. But I want to tell you the greatest revelation of the story as a picture given to us now, as a promise given to us now and fulfilled completely and entirely in the cross of Jesus Christ. And on this day, as we remember the brutality of the cross, as they tore out chunks of his flesh, as he sat there without making a sound, going like a sheep to the slaughter, he knew the pain that was coming. But he also knew the joy that was set before him. And it's you. It's your failures that you lay before him. And he says, my blood never fails. My blood never, ever fails. See, for 430 years, the Israelites had been in captivity and slavery. Then God comes upon them. He speaks a word to them. And God puts them in lockdown. You see the difference? They've been in captivity and slavery for 430 years, but they've become normal. Then God puts them in lockdown for one night says, I want you to trust me for one night. I want you to paint your front door for one night. I want this blood that brings life, that is a picture and a promise of the Jesus to come and the perfect Savior and sacrifice to come that will keep making people perfect. I want you to respond in lockdown. And so they paint their doors with this blood. And the enemy is at their loud shouting, failure, failure, failure. Your lack of faith, your generations of failure, just staying in captivity. And God is shouting, freedom. See, this Good Friday is about the freedom shout of the Almighty God. And maybe you're just realizing you don't like lockdown. The greater revelation, the better revelation at this moment is realizing that maybe you've been in captivity a whole lot longer than you have been in lockdown. Maybe that's what God's speaking to you today. Maybe the voice of failure has been shouting for decades. Relational brokenness. Haven't spoken to your kids. Haven't spoken to your family. Haven't given it a go in business because you're fighting. Well, the picture of the Passover as a future picture of the promise of what happened on this day is our Christ walked up that hill and took my sin and my shame and all my failure. That is real. It doesn't say it didn't happen. It doesn't say it never happened. It said it's totally real. But you get covered with the robe of righteousness. You get the blood of Jesus not painted on the front of your house. You get painted on your heart in every spot and blemish and wrinkle. He breaks and he says, I want you to do just a few things. Number one, crazy faith. Will you do something crazy? And yes, you're going to lie awake at night and the enemy's going to come. Is, is it real? It's too good to be true. But will you trust him at this time? Secondly, will you apply the blood? You see, religion says it's enough to know about the blood and the potential of the blood. But what the Bible calls us to and what Jesus calls us is to know our Father. And the Apostle Paul prays to Ephesians says, I pray, I keep praying and I keep asking that you would know Him more. Religion can't do that. Relationship with the Almighty God does that. And lastly, I want you to hear the loudest shout in your failures. The loudest shout in your divorce, your brokenness, or the fact that no one's phoning you at this time. The loudest shout of the shout of the blood of Jesus that says, His blood never fails. See, the prophecy of the cross in Isaiah 53 describes it this way. But He, Jesus, was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. 
What's the world shouting at you now? Failure. Failure. Depressed. Failure. Sick. Failure. Not lived up to the expectations. Failure. Not quite the family favorite. Failure. Well, there's a louder shout. Will you paint it on the front doors of your life and your heart and your soul and your everything? It is the shout of the blood of Jesus on that cross as he rose again on Sunday. And I know it's Friday, but I preach the cross every day because it's that truth that breaks into my heart and takes me from failure to victory. Because outside of that blood, when I'm not covered by that blood, I am a failure. I'm a failure as a father. I'm a selfish man. I'm an arrogant man. I might be all these things. But when his blood comes upon me, he redeems and restores even things that have been used for harm in the past. Could we close our eyes for a moment, please? What's shouting at you now? You're not good enough. What's shouting at you now? We see Romans 5 says this incredible word. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right now, if you've never made Jesus your Lord and King, I want to tell you Easter is about you. I want to tell you His grace is more than enough. For you and for your failures, you're saying, Mark, you don't know what I've done today, tonight. You don't know what I've looked at at the internet. You don't know what I've given my finance, my time, and I don't care. See, there was a man on a cross next to Jesus who was guilty. But one word, one touch from Jesus. Today you will be with me in paradise. Who holds your today? Who holds your tomorrow? I want the one whose blood never fails to hold my everything. Right now, make that decision. If you haven't made that decision, I'm going to ask you right now, make that decision. Respond in your heart. Respond by clicking. Respond by however you need to respond. But respond right now and pray this with me. With me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that today I am washed clean by your blood that never fails. And that who I was yesterday and all the accusations that probably possibly are true today are silenced by the blood, the perfect blood of Jesus Christ who shouts over my life, whose blood never fails. Thank you today. I am made new, a son or daughter of the living King forever. Amen. 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 While I'm praying, I want to speak to someone, I don't know, as I was praying for this preach, and maybe this is for just one person of thousands. Maybe you thought failure has been such a loud voice in your life. And this lockdown has made you feel so hopeless that you feel like there's no other way out. Maybe suicide is the option you are looking at. I want you to reach out to him, your great king today. To call us. Get in touch with us as a church. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to speak to you because God has a story for you. He has his blood that never fails for your life. Please call out. Please reach out. But in this moment, before we go, we have an opportunity to have communion together. It's Good Friday. And Jesus said this to his disciples as he, the night before. And he says this, drink. He took the cup. He gave thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many. For the forgiveness of sins, I tell you, will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day I come. And then Jesus says, I give you my body. Maybe right now, if you want to pause, that's fine. If you want to gather, we're going to do communion together. Grab some bread and grab some juice. He says, this is my body. It was broken 
Don't worry about that. It is broken. The body of my Savior is broken so that failure is not a tag in my life. The body of my Savior was broken so that son and daughter becomes the highest story of my life. So we break bread together in this moment. Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. On this Good Friday, we hear the shout of heaven. Enough! Silence! Tetelesta, it is finished! Peace be with you. We need to receive your words and your promises today. As we take these signs and emblems of your body that was broken and your blood that was poured out for us on the cross. probably shouldn't have taken such a big bite. We love you. Thank you so much for being with us. We say it every time we communicate, but we do love you. We pray for you. God is moving. He's shaking us. And the big question I want to leave with you is not, are you in lockdown? We're all in lockdown. But what is God doing with you in lockdown? Maybe he wants to bring you out of captivity that's held you for a very long time. Reach out to us. Call out to him. Be in His Word. God is working.